spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 206th Annual Subliminal Citizen Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. I wanted to tell you, so this over this weekend, I went to Iowa, visited my parents, and we're kind of in the process of going through old stuff that has been sitting in my room like since I moved out, basically, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> I found something. Um, do you remember way back in 2005, you and I went to the Vans Warp Tour? Yes. I yep. found like a, a a poster from the show of the 2005 Vans Warp Tour that's in pretty good shape. I was kind of shocked I even had it. Is it an Avenged Sevenfold uh, poster? No. It's like okay. an emo kid who's kind of dressed up like a superhero. It's really weird. But Avenged Sevenfold is listed as the one of the bands on there. Yeah. Oh, so it's a it's a poster for the whole show. It's yeah. not like a band poster. No, oh, no, okay, no, no, no. gotcha. It's for the whole show. Um yeah, I was I was pretty shocked. I'm going to frame that bad boy. That thing is vintage as fuck. I could I was like looking on eBay and I could even find that goddamn poster. Oh yeah, that was a it was a great uh, great show. I remember the headline for that was Blink One Eighty Two, but they did not show up. We've yeah. mentioned this before. Yeah, uh, Avenged Sevenfold. It was just as they were hitting, like just as they were about to hit, like you know, big time music celebrity, was when we saw them. Like I had never heard about them, saw them at that show, and then a couple months later, they were like all over the radio. So yeah, it. Uh, I remember that time. Their second album hadn't even came out yet, or it was just come out or something like that. They were like fresh on the scene. Um, I'm reading it and they had like My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy and um, what's the other big one? All American Rejects. Like those bands were all there, but they weren't like as popular as they became, you know, a few years after that. We probably like while we were because you know how they had little stages kind of crammed in between like vendors we probably walked by my chemical romance plane to like 20 people (laughs) didn't even realize it just walked right past them yeah (laughs) look at those fucking fruit cakes up there (laughs) with their weird fucking hair yeah i imagine we saw like a lot of famous bands and people and didn't even realize it yeah my favorite part though was so on the big stage we watched avenge sevenfold uh backcountry was like a song that would become really famous but you know they they were playing that song and right behind us was like the skateboarding. Cause we originally went and looked at like the people like skateboarding on the big vert ramp. Yeah. And yep. all of the skateboarders were so pissed off cause no one was looking at them. Everyone was like looking at the stage and it's like, dude, these people are on like the main stage. There's probably 6,000 people 
like in this audience you think that a lot of people are just going to be watching you do like fucking ollies and shit it's not even <laughs> like they were very good yeah i know right uh, jesus i don't even remember the hat well, i kind of remember it uh we must have really not looked at them oh yeah no it was so that was the fun it was the people watching was the best yeah. and i also remember too the uh the anti-smoking people were yep. out in force the, they yeah. had there were more anti-smoking um little stands set up than there were bathrooms it was it was wild yeah it was that was good it's crazy to think about that was a metrodome parking lot yep. fucking metro doesn't even all the exist. way around it yeah Metrum doesn't even fucking exist anymore. Oh yeah, well that they tore that shit down. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, you yeah, know, that was a great show. I enjoyed that. So yeah, there's uh, a lot of nostalgia I found in there. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was cool to look at. I had a lot of my WWF magazines still. <laughs> <laughs> you wasted so much money when you were fucking younger holy shit yeah all the, oh, yeah. All the nintendo powers that you made your parents buy you yeah when you were a kid <laughs> well back then i had a, the like yearly subscription remember it was like 20 bucks oh yeah that's right well you we didn't have the internet back then so that's the only place you got like the cheat codes i know and, like, i the secret levels and stuff i i found out my printed my folder of printed out cheat codes yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yep, go into the library. Yep. That's what oh, we yeah. used to do. Go yeah. to the library, print out fucking cheat codes. It was like five cents a piece of paper or something like that. Yeah. Well, the old ladies didn't, yeah. They, Most of them didn't even notice that you printed shit out. Yeah, so. they didn't give a shit. Honestly, just have one of them, like, send one person to have them help them find a book downstairs, and you could print out everything you wanted. So. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you had some things you wanted to talk about, Phil. Oh, yeah. Well, um, didn't really get much messages on this one. Just the fact that we, uh, last week's episode, we didn't mention the submarine that uh, went down at all. Uh, we actually recorded too early for it to kind of get like big throughout the news. And then obviously a couple of days after we recorded, um, really like the, the meme, holy shit. Instagram has been filled with the submarine memes. Yeah. Like heartless yeah. bastards making these memes too. The um and I've seen quite a few videos of the submarine owners. I think it's from his YouTube. Um a lot of the comments he made on there <laughs> did not age very well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The one where he was basically signing the the waiver and kind of discussing like the different bullets on yeah, everyone's seen those memes, but uh, yeah. The one I saw, it was literally him saying, oh, you know, I, I didn't follow regulation, but I think I engineered it better. And he's like, you're not even allowed to have it made out of carbon fiber, but I did it anyway. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> uh, well, maybe, you know, maybe you should follow right. The, sometimes the regulations are there for a reason, sir. Yeah, the cookbook's there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. But yeah, it sounds like it imploded, right? Um, I know they found wreckage. I thought I saw some today. They found some bodies, but I'm not entirely I sure. I didn't hear them find any bodies. I didn't hear about that. I'm, you know, I, I it's a little morbid, but I'm sure some sea creatures ate pretty good that day. But um, yeah, I, I go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say from what I heard. 
uh, the implosion would basically turn anyone inside of that into like a mist. So really? Yeah, I heard it was a pretty would have been a pretty violent implosion. So I also heard they'd be dead the second the implosion happened. So like they oh, wouldn't oh, even yeah. know what happened. Yeah, you would probably hear some like some creaking and cracking and then just immediately your lights out. I'm imagining. Yeah, there's a good TikTok of about the son of one of the billionaires and they were like, he was at a Blink-182 concert, ironically enough, and they were like, hey, aren't you worried about your dad? And he's like, I think my dad would have wanted me to go see Blink-182. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay. And then yeah. he, he was fighting with Cardi B on Twitter too, and I'm like, what is wrong with this kid? Yeah, well, he's got the internet celebrity probably now. Yeah, so very Maybe true. he'll monetize it, make his own money. There was a comedian I saw who kind of made fun of it, basically saying, uh, like, a billionaire and his stepson probably don't have the greatest relationship on Earth. Nah, probably so, not. Probably a little bit of a distant dad, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, if you're... If, if your dad's a billionaire, I'm I'm sure he's gonna miss some of your softball games and stuff. So <laughs> I don't know, but who knows? Maybe they're they're best of pals. So, well, I um, I think everybody learned a lesson. If you manage to, if you are a billionaire or even well, you'd have to have a lot of millions. Um, make sure you're not going in a carbon fiber sub, or just I don't know. Like, get a real sub. Pay somebody to ride in a real sub. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's... I don't know. What people do with their money is just fucking insane to me. It, they spent 250 grand, which to those people is probably, like, nothing. Yeah, nothing. You know, compared to the experience that they got. But you could spend a little bit more money and maybe... Or wait it out, and then maybe in a couple of years, like, a real company that actually, you know follows some of the safety standards might come around well be like uh, call fucking james cameron he was down there yeah. how did he get down there safely like do get in whatever weird vessel that man did oh yeah definitely i don't know how he got down there but he probably knew the right people which those billionaires could have you know their money could have given them access to that but who knows maybe they thought they did have the access maybe maybe in a weird way they were being a little too cheap i don't know like maybe two two fifty two hundred fifty thousand was like the cheap price for it. <laughs> that would be funny if it turns out like half of their checks bounced <laughs> to that guy. <laughs> yeah, that would be ironic, wouldn't it? Well, are you ready uh, to get into this week's episode, Phil? Yeah, I said it. All right. On this week's installment of Sub D, we're going to be talking about some straight up bizarre medical treatments that were used throughout history. Now, over the last century, medical treatments have advanced at an accelerated pace and have made many people's quality of life significantly better as time continues to progress. But back in what I like to refer to as somewhat the Wild West of unregulated <laughs> medical practices, uh, there was basically no rules, no laws, no restrictions. It was just a no holds barred thing. You could tout a cure. You could do. It was basically like essential oils, but like everywhere. So you could sell whatever you wanted. Nobody could ask you what's in it. 
they just got to take it and it might cure them. It might not. Um, so it's, I love looking at these things because of how ridiculous some of the cures are or the touted cures. You know what I mean? Yeah. We already did have an episode on chiropractics. Yeah. And some of the, like the wild origins of that. There was also like the magnet healing, uh, frenetics, obviously <laughs> snake oil salesmen were huge. Wait, is frenetics not considered le- legit medicine, Phil? I do not believe frenetics <laughs> is considered like, checking for bumps on people's heads to figure out if they're Italian or not. I, <laughs> it's not legitimate medicine. I have seen some people with some pretty weird heads. And I got to say, they tend to be weird individuals. Oh, so those people who spend all day streaming or all day playing video games, they get uh, they get what's known as the headphone head. Ah. Where it's that big ass fucking like crease that goes down the top of their cranium. That's pretty <laughs> wild. You know what? Um, are you not using over the ear headphones right now? I am, but I'm only on them when I record. Here's my rule. Only when I record and when I edit. Uh, I don't use them at work anymore. I use the in-ear, which give you like the ear infections and the really bad, you know, really bad earwax, but I only use those to try to keep, because I have to shave my head because I'm going bald, so I don't want, like, a weird head, too. That would be bad. Um, the, I use earbuds all the time. They, they're they known to give ear infections. Yeah, ear infections is what I was trying to come up with. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I um, need to be more careful, but I do clean out my buds, so maybe that helps. I don't know. I need to get better at that. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, I'm going to tell you the first time you look at them, they're going to be a little scary. There's going to be some <laughs> earwax flakes in there, but don't worry. You just clean it out. Pretend it never happened. Go about your day. I don't see those dead gnats in there. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't see those at all. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was I actually just I had to do research for something that I was uh, doing for work and I, I read about the 1906 book from Upton Sinclair. The Jungle, yep. you've heard of that book. Yep. It actually led to the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906. And oh. one of the, so it, it dealt with food regulation, food labeling. Another huge thing about that, what it's probably more known for is kind of like what it did for like these snake oils and the labels. And uh, you had to basically, you had to tell people if you put heroin or cocaine or alcohol in your patent medicine was a big thing we are we do have i so i have four different stories here and one of them definitely involves all of that okay i won't no more on it then i don't want to blow the lid (laughs) maybe you maybe we'll have read about it but uh but we'll get there all right so we're gonna start off here in the 1700s a man by the name of edmund haley would come to calculate all about Haley's Comet, which ironically is named after him. Uh, he would calculate that it would appear or at least pass by Earth on an average of every 76 years, which with modern technology, we know now it's anywhere between 75 to 79 years. Uh, the last time it was here was 1986, and it was kind of went by in 91, which is where Heaven's Gate killed themselves. 
Um, and it will be back in 2061. So maybe we'll be here, Phil. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Um, it's quite a ways away from here. Was we, that Haley's Comet or Hail Bob? Uh, I, they I said, think that might have been Hail Bob. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. There was something about Haley's Comet in 1991. Like, okay. it wasn't like the normal passing. It was almost like you could see it, but it wasn't oh, I nearby know. or something like that. Okay, so uh, the thing about Haley's Comet, it it has one of those huge orbits where it goes like way, way out and then comes back around to the sun. There is one part where we can see it when it's going towards the sun, and then we also can kind of see it when it's going away from the sun. So I think I may have actually, I remember um, the news stories. It might have been when it was going away from the sun, but it's not as like bright. You can't see it as well because yeah. we're not as close to it because yeah. we're on the other side of the sun from it. Yeah, so that's probably what it was then. Um, but it will not come back until two th- 2061. So about, yeah. you know, uh, what, 38 years from now, somewhere in there. So we got a ways we, to wait. We were born the year before Haley's Comet uh, came in 1985. Yeah. So if we <laughs> if we see it again, that's, uh, well, I mean, people live longer than ever now. So I don't know. I, I I have to make it 77 years. I don't know if my money will, will last that long, especially I know, how bad inflation's getting. 1986, dude, you and I were just, we were just chilling there, probably crying and shitting and eating. That was our main goal in life. The only way that we actually saw Haley's car is if someone who was holding us held our heads towards the sky and said, look at that. That's the only way that we actually saw it. So little did they know babies can only see like a foot in front of their face. So <laughs> we definitely did not see it. Oh yeah. Now jumping back here, it was set to return on May 6th, 1910. And an article had been published in the New York times de- detailing how an astronomer named Camille Fumarian knew that the return of this comment was going to bring the end of times. Now, we'll <laughs> I'll go into detail about what he said, but um, this is, have you ever, do you, do you ever notice if you use the Weather Channel app and they have the stories on the bottom, every single yep. one of them is about the earth exploding or a comment blowing up the earth or something. Um, that was basically this guy. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing how Haley's comet, there's, there's stories in like ancient history of them seeing a comet and it changing the war or changing a battle and everyone freaks out because comets were horrible omens back then. And they, they calculate like the years back on when Haley's comet was set to come and they realize like, oh shit, that was Haley's comet that they saw that day. Uh, when the battle, you know, something weird happened. I, but like, there's a lot of time where like both, both of the armies will basically see the comet, think it's going to be a bad omen for them, and get the fuck out of there. So, or one will trounce the other one, you know, because the other army has a bad omen for the comet. So it's amazing that they think, even though this thing's been showing up for thousands of years of human history, this is the time. Yeah, it's got to be during my life. That it fucking destroys the earth. <laughs> I should note that even though this guy published this article, um, the New York Times 
was saying that most astronomers did not agree with his assessment, but people <laughs> did, didn't read did, that part. They just did read they have his. like did they have like six extra sizes font and then little quotations of allegedly yeah. in front of everything he said. Yeah. <laughs> this was the supposedly, time supposedly allegedly. This was the time of you know yellow, yellow journalism, journalism, so anything was uh you could put whatever you wanted in there. Fair game, baby. <laughs> we're at war we're at war with the post (laughs) now in this article camille said quote the comet would cause the pacific to change basins with the atlantic and the primeval forests of north and south america to be swept by the briny avalanche over the sandy plains of the great sahara tumbling over and over with houses, ships, sharks, whales, and all sorts of living things in one heterogeneous mass of chaotic confusion. He claimed, He also claimed he detected cyanogen on the tail of the comet. Cyanogen is a very deadly poison, a grain of its potassium salt touching the tongue being sufficient to cause instant death. Camille said this, this substance was going to leak from the tail of the comet seep through Earth's atmosphere, and basically it was going to kill all, you know, organic life on Earth because of this poison that's on the tail of Halley's Comet. Also, he okay. sa- he basically said the oceans are going to switch spots, and then it's just going to be fucking, ca- you know, cataclysm all over the world. Definitely. So basically what he's saying is... The Atlantic Ocean is it's like a it's like when you push all the water past the wa- in the wash tub in the in the bathtub and it all just kind of shoots back over. That's yeah. that effect's gonna happen. Yeah. Where the Pacific's just gonna wash over the you know North and South America, and then the Atlantic Ocean's gonna wash over Africa and Europe, and they're all just gonna switch places. It's like you said. Okay, this thing it was you know this thing is probably passed by the Earth for billions of years, right? Yeah. And why is it in 1910, all of a sudden, crazy shit's going to happen? Yeah. Was he trying to sell a book or <laughs> was he on tour trying to give speeches? No. There's always I, that situation. <laughs> no, I don't know. He was just some French dude. He um, Perhaps he, organized religion had something to do with it. It could be. It could be. Churches are, are going to be a part of this, so... Um, oh, yeah. basically his article saying all this shit caused basically a mass hysteria. People were freaking the fuck out. They thought the end of times were, were upon them. So this article came up months before the comet was actually going to pass by earth. So people were in such a frenzy that apparently gas masks were being sold at such a high rate. They couldn't even keep them on the, uh, keep them in stock at any stores some people completely sealed their homes up. They they sealed up every little crack they could, including the keyholes. They blocked out the keyholes because they believed <laughs> the poisonous vapors would not be able to get inside then. Uh, churches, they also said, congregates, come on in. We're going to seal this whole place up for the comet and we'll just die and go to heaven altogether. So they were involved with it as well. But there was one company who was selling a special pill that will save you from any of the doomsday stuff. It'll protect you from the poison. They were selling an anti-comet elixir, 
an elixir for escaping the wrath of the heavens. That was on the bottle, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, there was also two Texans who were selling a cure-all for any ailments you might get from the common. Uh, of course. It, it was found out all this was just nothing more than sugar pills. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. No, you can you can figure that out. For yeah. That's uh, there's always there's always someone willing to uh, cash in. I was gonna say, uh, leading up to 1910, gas masks were being sold at that high of a rate. This is before the uh, First World War, when yeah. you know the the. It's amazing to think that there were that many gas masks to sell. Maybe there wasn't, but they just said stores that had them. Like they could, the, so many people were buying them that they just like, I don't know, couldn't keep them in stock. Apparently, yeah, this is probably different than the World War One gas masks that I was that I'm thinking of. These are probably ones that like people who maybe like painted used, basically just ah. kind of like the cloth that goes over your. I was face. gonna say, yeah, they probably it was probably a piece of cloth, and they're like, oh, this will protect you from any gas, any substance. You can the, you go wherever you want with this thing on. Yeah, the thing. Well, there are pictures of, I believe it is a football game in 1919 where the Spanish flu. Um, there's a lot of people wearing kind of like just cloth over their faces because yeah. of the Spanish flu. They were kind of trying to equate it to like COVID and all that stuff. But they did have like masks and i think also this was during the time when they realized that there were things called like you know viruses germs bacteria <laughs> yeah. that yeah. could be spread around through coughing it wasn't just like you know evil vapors coming from hell that yeah. were making you sick and yeah that the, sort of thing. the devil's invisible germs attacking you um i i it is kind of crazy that he claimed to know that there was poisonous gas that was trailing behind the comet i wonder if he knew about kind of like the science of using like the light spectrum to detect you know gases out in outer space or if he was just completely making this up that he could actually know that there was like poisonous gas trailing behind this comet that is the gas that does trail behind it that is for certain the um the vapor trail contains that um, okay. Yeah. So it, it actually, we actually do know that it does contain. Them. Yeah. It just okay. does not, you know, permeate through Earth's atmosphere and then, you know, wipe out all life as we know it. Yeah, exactly. So basically he red stringed it. Yeah. Pretty Dangerous much. Dangerous gas trails behind it. Dangerous gas kills people. It's going to kill you. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So they... They also had, so they had the anti-comet elixir, the anti-comet cure-all pills, and they had anti-comet um, umbrellas, too. I did, I, I couldn't figure <laughs> out how those worked, because there wasn't much about them, but they did sell them, too. Anti-comet umbrellas. So, guys, <laughs> if there's ever <laughs> a big asteroid or something coming... We're going to be offering subliminal deception anti-asteroid <laughs> umbrellas for everybody. I wonder if it was like that South Park episode, early, early South Park episode, where they were telling you if the volcano went off, you need to duck and cover. Yeah. And then there was that PSA video where the guy is on. He grabs his picnic blanket 
and like puts it over himself and the volcano just lava goes just goes right, right over him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That's with Man Bear Pig in it, I think, isn't it? Or Yes. Yep, that is the Man Bear Pig episode. Yeah. So I I do wonder though, it like was this made out of tin foil? Cuz that would be great. <laughs> I would love to see pictures of that. I don't know. You know, cameras weren't the greatest back then, so there isn't really many pictures, but um but yeah, it I don't <laughs> It's just so fucking ridiculous. And you can see it's so American. When I was reading this, I'm like, like preying on people's fears with these magic cures is such an American capitalist thing to do that this doesn't even surprise me. Oh, no, nothing about it at all surprised me. Just, I mean, have like, just even like before COVID, how many companies were selling those masks at all? Like none of them. You no. couldn't find them anywhere. People were making them out of socks. Yeah. Six months into it, you couldn't go into a store without seeing them right up front. Yeah. Big aisles of them. Like where they put, used to put the sunglasses. That's where they had their assortments of fucking COVID masks everywhere. Well, I mean, even outside of COVID, going to any drugstore, right? There's an entire aisle dedicated to random vitamins or vitamin whatever um they'll have fucking oils all these like holistic medications that say they do this or that i mean just go and take a look at that aisle like that's enough you know to try to to get an idea of what basically all products were like back then yeah you don't uh, here's a secret folks you don't need to take any of that stuff once a week just cook yourself up a steak that's all you need just a, a dinner of steak mashed potatoes and gravy and you're good i think if you're lacking certain vitamins like your body doesn't produce them or something i think usually the doctor will like give you a straight up prescription no one, for goes, it. No one goes to the doctor what are you talking about very true very true phil <laughs> take the iowa man's curse the iowa man's i about said iowa man's curse the iowa man's cure never go to the doctor mashed potatoes and gravy yeah there you there go, you go. that is what i'm having tonight that is phil's cure-all for everything mashed potatoes <laughs> and gravy and a steak yeah don't actually yeah if you're if you're feeling not good the doctor i don't want none of you soon no me, so especially if you have high blood pressure do not eat what he uh he recommended there now uh we're gonna move on to the next one here in 1845 two druggists by the name of Jeremiah Curtis and Benjamin A. Perkins came together to create a miracle drug known as Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Syrup. The story behind the name Mrs. Winslow uh, goes goes that Mrs. Winslow was Jeremiah Curtis's mother-in-law, Charlotte N. Winslow, whom was a nurse who cared for infants, and she always seemed to have like this magical concoction that always helped with the quote-unquote fussy babies it always whatever she was using it just always helped these babies and these two guys took her idea and then created this soothing syrup and uh i've heard of this before yeah it's not good it's very bad um i mean well we'll let me just tell you about it here. So Mrs. Winslow had developed this medicine to help babies who cried a lot, were going through teething, or perhaps they were suffering from dysentery. Moreover, 
um, diarrhea and such. Now, medications back then, as you kind of mentioned, didn't have labels. You, The consumers had zero idea what was in the stuff they were consuming. All they had was like the brand name and then what it is supposed to cure. So when people were giving this soothing syrup to their infants, they um, they were a little shocked with the results. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the, the active ingredients in all of these supposed medicines was always one of four of the same things and <laughs> there was there was no regulation no absolutely Nothing. not yeah zero you wouldn't have any idea what you were taking yeah they could have put rat poison in if they wanted to and sell it it's yeah it was no all fair game i mean um i didn't go into it on this episode but mercury was an active ingredient in quite a few things Yes, definitely. And because it was the magical metal, <laughs> the, you know, uh, everyone thought it was the magic basically cure. had all these magical properties because of its physical properties, but they didn't even realize how horrible it was <laughs> if you ingested it. Yeah, it's not great for you. No, definitely not. So Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup, Um, it's actually, you know, nowadays you go to like a health food aisle and you be like, oh, only contains three ingredients, only contains four ingredients, five ingredients. Well, this soothing syrup only contained two ingredients. Okay. Very effective ingredients, by the way. Morphine and alcohol. That <laughs> So each jar had 65 milligrams per ounce of morphine, which one teaspoon of morphine is equivalent to 20 drops of laudanum which at the time babies six months of age or i or less should not be receiving any more than two to three drops of laudanum one teaspoon of this stuff was enough to kill an average size child so many many babies would be given this soothing syrup and then they would simply not wake up again. They are, they estimated the deaths from this Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup is in the, it's thousands and thousands of infants yeah. who were given this and then just, just died. Yeah. So laudanum back then was kind of known as kind of like something that rich women would take who were kind of bored sitting at home all day. <laughs> and it, you know, if they were like restless or, depressed because they didn't get out and do anything you know they would give the doctor would prescribe them a lot of them which kind of just zoned them out like conked them out you know and it did nothing it's not that much different than nowadays right i mean there i mean i'm not saying all of them but you hear <laughs> stories about stay-at-home moms you know getting a little too friendly with the pills Oh, popping those pills, baby. Yeah. yeah, they love them. So I don't know what it is about staying home and popping pills, but um, but yeah, it says laudanum is an opiate tincture is what it is, mm -hmm. I guess. So yeah, if anybody knows, then that's, uh, that's what it is. So in 1868, the company is on record having sold an average of 1.5 million bottles of Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup. At the time, they didn't link the soothing syrup to the infant's deaths, presumably 
simply because of how high the infant mortality rate was already, not even including, you know, the deaths from the syrup. So in 1906, the Pure Food and Drug Act made (laughs) companies start listing its ingredients, like Phil mentioned. Over time, Mrs. Winslow's would be forced to remove the morphine from the syrup, and they were forced to remove the word soothing from its label. But it still continued to sell all the way into the 1930s. So, um, yeah, I don't. Is it? I don't know. It's it's crazy that a nurse was just in the beginning just giving this to crying babies in a infant section of a hospital. The thing is, if she made it herself, it the nurse she probably knew exactly how much to give a baby to get it to shut up but not kill it (laughs) so then all of a sudden when you're selling a bottle of it to just random people they're like oh yeah just uh give them a whole tablespoon full you know more is better that kind of shit can you imagine how many people bought this and they're like just like taste it and like man this shit's pretty fucking good i feel like i'm a fucking (laughs) cloud nine (laughs) yeah and especially too with you got to think people didn't have a shit ton of money back then. So taking their kid to a doctor, uh, if this made their kid, you know, shut up and quit crying and go to sleep. Yeah, sure. Think about like your, you know, old grandmas, like the stereotype of like those 90s and 80s movies of just like the grandma seeing the kid looking a little bit pale and then shoving the shit shoving cough syrup down their throat yeah you know yeah. that kind of shit or giving them like a little alcohol yeah exactly. yeah just <laughs> they don't call a grandpa's old cough medicine for nothing <laughs> <laughs> oh what he's got sore he's teething oh we'll just put a little jack daniels on his gums now yeah. he feels all better <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll bet <laughs> god but yeah so Oh, yeah, I don't know. This um, That one just is kind of baffling. But, you know, morphine, uh, opiates, fucking cocaine, all that shit was like <laughs> just normal in stuff, you know, during that time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just like aspirin, you know, it's just you can get it anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know what I learned today? Uh, sidetrack here. So last night, the smoke was kind of thick again it's been thick the past few days here from thanks canada um and we were we went to happy hour and i came home and i just like this fucking migraine just kept like creeping up and i'm pretty sure it's from the smoke outside right yeah and then everyone's like oh what i do is do two tylenol and one ibuprofen and it's like the magic cure for a headache have you ever taken this before i don't really get headaches you're lucky yeah, I don't. Uh, so sometimes I'll get really bad. Like if um, sometimes here, the pollen, oh, the pollen only really gets bad, like maybe twice a year, just yeah. for like a week. And my my sinuses will get really bad. And I might take one like one night, but I don't really I don't get like like headaches. Really, OK, so. well, for those out there, if you get migraines or bad headaches, um, apparently this is a solid method for like eliminating any headaches. So, two uh, Tylenol and an ibuprofen. Yeah, yeah, I okay. got, I got. It seems excessive, but I guess it works. Yeah, I don't use Tylenol. I don't really take aspirin. So when I do, I only take one, 
and it works really well because I'm not like, you know, I haven't gained a tolerance to it. So ah, okay. yeah, it still works well with just one talent. Okay. So. Or, or you can try Phil's method too. Either one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just don't ever get sick. That's my method. Yeah. That's the poor, that's the poor man's method to uh, <laughs> just never get sick. Just try that one out. So I got to ask before I continue on here. Have you ever heard of something called the Whale Hotel? No, I have not. Okay. All right. Now, this one is really fun, guys. I promise you. In the town of Eden, Australia, in 1896, a man had apparently accidentally discovered a cure for his rheumatism, which he had been suffering from for a very long time. The story goes that a drunk Australian man had been walking along a beach when he came upon the rotting carcass of a beached whale. This inebriated Aussie had, for some reason, we don't even know why, if he's joking around or whatever, but he said he's going to go ahead and dive right into that fucking beached whale. Now, his friends wanted to rescue him once he jumped inside this rotting whale, but they said, quote, the heat and the smell were too great. So they just waited for him to sober up a little and like climb his own way out of the whale carcass. Um, but he, he was in there for quite a while while they were waiting. So he was just kind of chilling in the inside of this whale. Now, <laughs> those fools, Australian men <laughs> never sober up. Very true. Maybe they just kind of threw him some beers inside of there and just. <laughs> he definitely took some beers for the road. Yeah, I. I don't, I, what would compel a man to just go ahead and dive inside of a rotting whale carcass? I don't know. I was a little worried you were going to say, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I don't know why the fuck this guy did it, but he apparently had stumbled upon a medical miracle by doing this. Once the drunken man finally emerged from the whale. He he was noticing that he was he was just feeling different. The rheumatism from which he had been suffering from for years had just all of a sudden magically disappeared. After this, word continued to spread and more and more people who were suffering from ailments like arthritis or joint pain or rheumatism, um, they wanted to go ahead and sit inside of a whale to see if it could cure their diseases. Now, the town of Eden, which is located in southern Australia, was a whaling village at the time. So it made it a prime location to go ahead and bring some fucking dead whales for people to sit in. Okay, so... (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. That would stink so bad. But... I feel I'm, like they I'm trying, I'm trying to think they probably ate the meat for whale for whale fishermen. Um oil at in the, at this time, whale oil was like the big draw to uh, to capturing a whale. So you probably could let people sit in one for a little bit before you turned it into oil. Yeah. Well, they wanted that little crevice in their brain, right? Um what is that fluid that they always would get? Like right above in the center of their head, like right in the top, there was some like pocket with shit in it. They always wanted. Is it the stuff they make perfume out of? 
It could be. I don't know. I just remember that's their, that's their vomit. That's what's in their vomit. Um, that's what's in I their do not vomit. Know. What's that? That's what's in their vomit. Well, what they what's in their vomit is kind of like a a substance that they make um, perfume out of. Oh, okay. So next time I see the Britney perfume on TV, I would assume <laughs> whale vomit. Whale vomit. Yeah. Okay. Of course, I learn everything from episodes of Futurama. So well, there you go. For that. Hey, they've predicted a lot of stuff, right? I, I, I have seen a lot of like Futurama suicide box and that Titanic memes going around. Um, oh, yeah. have you seen those? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, but anyway, now because this was a whaling village, apparently the whalers would kill a whale, they'd bring it ashore, they'd make incisions, you know, whale's pretty big, so it can fit quite a few people in there, they'd make incisions, the patient would go inside of the whale, and then only their head would be sticking out of the wound. (laughs) Now, Now, ideally, they would want the patients to sit inside of this whale for at least 30 hours. The longer you can keep yourself inside of the whale, the longer the cure is going to ultimately last. So on average, 30 hours inside of the whale would give you about a year, maybe a little longer of pain relief. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Where were you going to the bathroom while you were sitting in this whale carcass? I imagine you just pissed and shitted inside. inside of it. I mean, it's rotting anyway. Who gives a shit? Just take a dump in there. That is true, but you wouldn't want to be the second. I suppose after thirty hours, that thing ripe. Yeah, you probably it. The thirty-hour limit was probably <laughs> about as long as you could take before that thing started really stinking pretty bad. So <laughs> not just from the rotting flesh, but from the feces of all the people. So so if you had achy joints. And you mm. couldn't find any cure. Would you be willing to try this? Uh, I I mean, back then, if it was bad enough, maybe. I'm imagining it was, I haven't read further, so I don't know. I'm imagining you're going to mention a placebo effect. Uh, no, I'm not. No? Okay. So then I will say this. So I imagine that you, when you hear this stuff, you're willing to try anything. And if you want anything to work well, or if you want anything to work badly enough, then sometimes it turns out, oh, if the right guy told me it works, I'm going to think it's going to work and it'll work, you know? True. Like Very true. Yeah. If 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 your drunk buddy tells you the cure for something that's actually going to work, you might take it, but it might not work because you don't believe in that guy. But if a doctor gives you a sugar pill and tells you this is totally going to work, if you believe in him that sugar pill is going to work better than the real cure because of your brain. So, so you're, are you, so like, are you going to sit there and tell me that frankincense essential oil does not cure everything? I'm sorry to say, no, it does not. Oh, yeah. Some lady on the internet told me it would. I, I have, owe some bitch $1,200 now. <laughs> God damn it. I have ED and she said it would fix it. God damn it. Um, <laughs> Now, this is kind of something that actually really shocked me is obviously the whalers would kill the whale. They'd bring it ashore. They'd, you know, put it up, put it up there and they would actually let anybody just sit in their whales for free. They didn't Mm. care. 
So these people would be chilling in there and then <laughs> the whalers would just start, you know, processing <laughs> the whale while they're just chilling there. So they didn't really give a shit. Um, now, as time progressed, the whale cure, you know, started to catch on and then it started to be considered to be like a sophisticated treatment, like something a classy person would do. Um, okay. But with the placebo effect, we don't know. Because there is records of people saying that they did this and it lasted years and years afterwards. Like, there's no dissenting opinions on this. Apparently, everyone just said, yeah, it helped me out. Maybe it's a placebo. I don't know. Um, but the practice did eventually stop at the beginning of World War I. Um, but we don't truly know if the inside of the whale has some sort of healing property. Okay. I we don't know. I maybe they have something in there that is like an anti-inflammatory substance that seeps into their skin or something. I don't know. Interesting. So I'm trying to figure out while they were processing the whale there would be people inside of it. Yeah. I suppose now I'm I'm thinking of probably methods we would use now to process the whales much quicker. Back then, you probably just had some old man out there you know, with the machete, just chopping it up, like processing. <laughs> it, it probably maybe. took over 30 hours. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like if you were up near the head and they started at the tail, you probably they probably wouldn't get to you till like a day and a half. So it sounds about right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's crazy. I jeez. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it fucking works, it works. Um. It stopped after it stopped at the beginning of World War One. Um, I, I, I took that as they were using the vessels for other reasons besides hunting whales. Yeah. Um, World War One. So the Japanese were for the allies. They were taking a lot of the German um, islands out in the Pacific. There wasn't a ton of fighting out there, though. So most of the German... Um, empire out in the pacific got taken over so there wasn't a shit ton of fighting maybe all of their boats went back to england for the for the war effort that's, that's kind, probably what it was yeah that's kind of what i figured like something like that yeah during world war ii there definitely probably wasn't a whaling fishing boats going out <laughs> in, around australia i'm guessing yeah I, probably, I would, their I, war effort there was pretty big i would assume humpback whales were probably very big fans of world war one Oh, all sea life. So yeah. I've actually, this is getting way off, but they were talking about um, post-World War II and the fishing boats going out and their nets break, like their nets being ripped open by the amount of fish that they were pulling out of the water just because of how little fishing happened in the Atlantic during the war because of the U-boats. So they would go out and there were so many fish that they could barely keep them all in the nets. Damn. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, sea life can repopulate pretty fast. Oh, definitely, yeah. And that was just, you know, between maybe like what, 38, 39 and 45. So that was like 5 or 6 years of not really having the mass fishing like we had before that. Yeah. So, that's pretty pretty crazy repopulation. Maybe one day, um instead of driving species to extinction, we will just be like, you know what? Let's not harvest that animal for a few years dude fuck fuck the planet let's turn this bitch into a burnt out cinder <laughs> i want my generation to turn the lights on 
Lights out on this bitch. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to our last one. And I'm going to tell you guys, this story I was genuinely shocked about. I didn't even know it existed. Maybe, Phil, you do. But I'm going to tell a lot of our audience members that when I get to the end of this one, you're going to want to start eating this food because I know a lot of you have a problem. Okay. And I scrolled down and saw the title and yeah. I knew exactly what yeah. Yeah, I know. I've heard this story before. Okay. Well, so you know that they're going to need to eat this substance, right, Phil? Yes. I do have to ask, was your entire episode originally based around about around this? No. No? Okay. Never mind. In I'll... my mind, this is like a keystone <sighs> subject that you would that if I was making it, I would base the whole this. I probably should have. I, I love this. I probably should have, but um, th- I stumbled upon this last, and then I just had to wedge it in here. So, oh, okay, gotcha. In the 18th and 19th century, there was a morality movement in Judeo-Christian t- traditions. Sex was evil, and by proxy, masturbation was an unforgivable sin. This slowly morphed into masturbation was not only bad, it was also a physical and mental malady, goddammit, someone needed to find a cure for. Enter Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, an American physician and extremely devout Seventh-day Adventist from Battle Creek, Michigan. Kellogg was a main editor of the magazine Good Health, an Adventist magazine that promotes healthy living like God intended, which meant becoming a vegetarian, not drinking alcohol or caffeine, nor consuming tobacco. But Kellogg saw the real evil in the world was masturbation. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) So I've heard quite a bit about this. Um, It's kind of crazy because it's such a, a, it's it's a whole company now, obviously, Kellogg. But just the idea of a cereal you know, fixing this ailment <laughs> in people is just insane. I'm going to tell you guys, this is what I'm saying. A lot of you, I'm sure you're jerking off way too much. And we'll get to the the cereal you need to be eating to quit yep. touching yourself. Okay. <laughs> now, what this fact really, really blew my mind. And I don't even know if it's true or not. But if anybody is questioning Dr. Kellogg's purity... It is on record, apparently, he never, ever jerked off, and he was completely abstinent from any form of ejaculation. He was married, but he and his wife basically stayed in separate bedrooms. They never consummated their marriage. They went on to adopt eight kids and foster 34 of them. So, <laughs> I, this guy, his balls... Must have been so swollen. Oh, keeping them in wheelbarrows in front of them. Jesus yeah. Christ. Can you Those imagine? Those have to be, I, I just got to say this. Those have to be 42 <laughs> of the most miserable children you'll ever meet. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is mad. He is angry. If his wife gets, he probably has like a little beeper that if the wife's, any appendage on her body gets within, you know, two foot of his penis. It's just going to explode. So she can't even like come near. Hugs are off limits. Kissing is off limits. 
don't even comment on his haircut. Like, you can't do nothing because he's about ready to explode. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He can't even, honestly, he can't even probably be touched by her. No. <laughs> or else it's running down his leg. Yeah. So I will, um, I'm actually working on an episode right now about the orphan trains of the 1800s and some of the crazy stories about like that shit that went on. So uh, I can imagine being able to easily adopt this many children. I've also read about a, we watched a movie about it in school. They're called the Shakers. Have you ever heard of the Shakers? Yeah, yeah I heard of the Shakers. So they live in a community that has men and women completely separated. You're never allowed to have, even if you're married, never allowed to have sex. You're never even allowed to like eat at the same table as your wife or any other woman. Basically, what they did was they just adopted all of the kids that they could, made them live in their orphanage and become Shakers. The funny thing is, once they like stopped adopting children, like once these children turned 18, obviously they were fucking gone. Most of them would run away beforehand, you know, because no one wants to actually live that life unless you, you know, well, they have that mental problem. Do they know if they never have sex or anything like you're going to run out of kids eventually? (laughs) (laughs) What happens if everyone on Earth wakes up one day and decides they want to be a shaker? There's not going to be any more humans in a hundred. You know what you know. might be the best thing for the planet, to be honest with you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the planet would rejoice. Yeah. Yes, they're not. Itself. These fucking monkey people aren't fucking anymore. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, <laughs> fucking like rabbits. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. In 1877, Dr. Kellogg published a book called Plain Facts for Old and Young, Embracing the Natural History and Hygiene of Organic Life. In it, he claimed that a chronic masturbator was not not only likely to suffer, but they were probably suffering from up to 39 different ailments, ranging from general infirmity, defective development, mood swings, fickleness, bashfulness, boldness, bad posture, stiff joints, fondness of spicy foods, acne, palpitations, and epilepsy. So, <laughs> wow, boldness and bashfulness. Yeah, I'm gonna say interesting. They're like po- they're like opposites. So okay, yeah. I'm gonna just say you live in a state where spicy food is much more prevalent than where I am. So you know, a lot of masturbators out yeah, here. Yeah, every Mexican <laughs> restaurant you go to, there is a lot of chronic masturbators there. The rule is keep your hands above the table. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. definitely yeah a lot of uh, a lot of spicy food out here so i yeah I, I, acne and epilepsy yeah interesting yep <laughs> and heart palpitations <laughs> apparently um yeah so every time i meet somebody new and they're gonna be like hey do you like spicy food i'm gonna be like you must jerk off a lot right because <laughs> dr kellogg told me anybody who likes spicy food is probably a chronic masturbator well, you work at kind of a place with a lot of doctors. Yeah. So they'll probably just be like, well, which one's Dr. Kellogg? <laughs> of course, don't worry. HR will fire you and not Dr. Yeah. Kellogg. But. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm going to ask some doctors. Like, Have you ever read um, plain, old, <laughs> plain Facts for Old and Young, embracing the Natural History and Hygiene of Organic Life? Uh, your, 
your your college fucking your doctorate thesis was on that right yeah. on that book yeah of course <laughs> now dr kellogg was a believer that meat and certain flavored food were bad because they increased sexual desire so you should basically only eat bland food he would go on to create a quote health treat that consisted of oatmeal and cornmeal baked into biscuits then ground into tiny pieces which he would eventually name granola or Dr. Kellogg's granola because Dr. Kellogg worked at Battle Creek Sanitarium he would force the mental health patients to eat his new health snack believing it would be a cure all for him Dr. Kellogg also developed an enema machine that would run water through the rectum to clean it out. Then he would shoot <laughs> a pint of yogurt into the now empty rectum. But this medical procedure didn't really catch on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is he sure that he doesn't have any weird sexual desires? <laughs> I don't. I can't imagine getting a fucking oh pint God. of yogurt squirted up your asshole. Oh, what was that? Okay, so I can't remember what the show. It was a Netflix show. Um, it had Nurse Ratchet. Oh, it's pretty, yeah. It's pretty new. So Call- there was a there was a scene in there where there was a woman who they were trying to cure of her lesbianism. So they put her in like 145 degree water Oof. and then moved her from that tub and put her in freezing cold water. And then basically afterwards they said do you want to have sex with women anymore? And she, of course, said, no, no, straighten his arrow. Bring a dude in here. I'll suck his dick right now. Like, they, it reminds me of that, where they basically force someone to eat granola all day and then ask them, like, oh, do you still want to do blah, blah, blah? And they'll just be like, no, no, please. I don't, I can't eat another bite of that shit. (laughs) No more cornflakes. I swear to God, I'll do anything you want. All the POWs, they just made me eat plain cornflakes. Oh, my God. I'll uh, get a job at a factory. Yeah. I swear to God, I'll be yeah. normal. Just let me let me go home. I'll work at Walmart, whatever you want. <laughs> you fucking psycho. <laughs> now, oh, God. Now, later on, Dr. Kellogg was using kind of the same ingredients that he had in his granola, but he developed it into a flake grain breakfast cereal, which included cornflakes, which was easily digestible for a morning meal, which... He is right about that. He partnered up with his brother, Will, who was the sanitarium's bookkeeper, uh, to sell the product to the public. Will actually wanted to add sugar to the cornflakes, but, but Dr. Kellogg would not allow it. Will, William Ke- or Will Kellogg eventually opened up his own cereal company called the Kellogg Company, and the brothers were cereal feuding for many a decades um if dr kellogg knew of the creation of frosted flakes and the immense amount of masturbators consuming them he would certainly be rolling in his grave now he would be he would be most pissed off about that sexy tiger they got on the cover (laughs) guaranteed he would take that cover and that he would take that box of cereal into his room and just angrily you know (laughs) come here tony tiger we got some business to take care of um i was kind of wondering because they you know they had dr kellogg's cornflakes right and then his brother opened up the kellogg company i'm kind of wondering if 
his brother, because I don't really know the name of the company that Dr. Kellogg had. I'm almost like the Kellogg company. Isn't that what they call them? The like Kellogg's now? I think I'm trying to remember. So I think General Mills. I think they is, own is the company, but I believe General Mills got bought. I think General Mills owns Kellogg's Kellogg. brand. So yeah. if his brother was willing to be a little bit more, I don't know, fucking spicy with his cereals, you know, adding sugar and shit, I'm sure that became immensely more popular than plain ass old cornflakes. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. Well, I'm. the funny thing is I never heard about this feud and his brother opening up a competing company. Yeah. I thought that... Like once this Harvey Kellogg became less influential in the company, they turned like a real brand out of it. They, you know, obviously you can't make money with this psychopath at the helm. That's <laughs> it's not going to happen. He caught Will but... jerking off in the bathroom and that was the, it, uh, he dissolved the company. Um, I do wonder if maybe some rich businessmen got a hold of Will, took him out to a titty bar and just immediately he just signed whatever. Like, thank God, get me away from that fucking loser. Well, I suppose if Will was, you know, in the startup of the company, he probably saw how his brother made cornflakes and could easily replicate it. You know what I mean? And then he just adds like flavor to it. And then you've got, you know, delicious cereal. Yeah, it's it's not hard. Um, I don't know. I. There is so getting back to kind of like the health, you know, um, I guess masturbating was kind of like one of the big like evils they thought of back then. They had like there was a bunch of different ways that they were trying to stop it. Uh, Like everyone thinks of chastity belts as being something that was made to keep men and women from having sex. Really, it was put on men to stop them from like touching themselves. Mm. There was also uh circumcision became yep. really big because they thought that it would decrease someone's, you know, like desire to, just to, to masturbate or yeah. having sexual desires. Basically yeah. in general. Yeah. And then that son of a bitch Luperderm came along and <laughs> ruined that whole plan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, obviously the Kellogg story is my favorite. Uh, maybe he's even crazier and we should have did a full episode about him. Maybe we can do that in the future, but, um, he, you know, all of those religious people who put out shit like this, who have those ideas are just crazy sex in real life. Oh yeah. Dude, this dude, Harvey Kellogg probably almost came in his pants when he saw the milk being poured into the cornflakes. <laughs> like he, he, his testicles and prostate were so fucking swollen that he just somebody needed to touch his penis oh definitely yeah and it's easy to like obviously when you sleep in your own bedroom your wife doesn't even see you it's easy to say that you're not doing shit you know i was just wondering okay if if dr kellogg is having wet dreams constantly right um does that count as masturbation he probably thinks that god gives him the dreams i'm imagining (laughs) Or he just probably claims that he doesn't have them. If you would have asked him, he probably claimed that doesn't doesn't happen to him. The devil's trying to tempt me with this delicious yogurt I'm a bit. <laughs> Bastard. Yeah, I don't know. It's I mean it's a crazy it's a crazy origin story for a very common 
Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of common products out there that have really weird origin stories. So. I know. They're kind of fun. Maybe I'll have to... My plan is to, like with this, um, in the future, get a whole new batch of crazy medical things and talk about them. So I'm sure we'll stumble upon some more of them. Um, Phil, do, do you... A re- do a return episode. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, do you have a favorite one of the one of these stories that, you know, really Ooh. called to you? Kellogg's is obviously a great yeah, one. Uh, yeah. That's usually a fan favorite. The Whale Hotel... Actually, yeah. honestly, a lot kind of crazy. The Whale Hotel was weird. Um, <laughs> I had heard of... Uh, I had never heard of the Haley's Comet, uh, the Comet Elixirs. That's yeah. a new one. Yeah. And then obviously Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Syrup. I've heard of that one uh, and medicine that was like it. Uh, stuff that had, you know, enough heroin to put down a horse and you would feed <laughs> it to babies pretty yeah. much. Uh, other drugs and whatnot. Um, but yeah, the Kellogg's one, obviously fan favorite. You know what? When you're in line somewhere and you see a kid bawling his eyes out you should approach the mother or father and be like have you ever considered mrs winslow soothing syrup for this young child i've heard it will help with his temperament <laughs> then you end up with a camera in your face on yeah them them claiming that you're some kind of creep <laughs> yeah no nah. honestly that's the best advice you can give just honestly don't talk to anyone anymore yeah. you don't want to end up on fucking instagram live TikTok. My, my new thing is trying not to talk to anybody and when i'm in a store i usually have my headphones in listening to music mm. for some reason people just like you're invisible when you got your headphones in you're like invisible yeah or one good thing is when you're out on your smoke break and you know that someone's gonna like try to talk to you have one earphone in and just like all of a sudden like pretend like you're kind of talking to yourself and then just point to your ear like <laughs> oh i'm on a call you know <laughs> This is really important. It's Dr. Kellogg. He's calling me. <laughs> about my chronic masturbating. Yeah, he said he yeah. saw my search history and he's really concerned about my <laughs> eternal soul. Um, All right, Phil. Well, if uh, anybody wants to get a hold of us, leave us a message. Where can they do that? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, great hearing from everybody. Got a lot of great messages. Probably an even easier way to get a hold of us, though, is on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Once again, you know, thanks for all of the messages, the likes, the shares, everything. Uh, really helps us out, gets us more, you know, people out there listening, hopefully. So keep it up. We love it. Cody also has an Instagram page for himself. What's that? Uh, you can follow me at Cody Zabob. Thank you to everyone who's taking time to do that and to uh, send me a message or like stuff if I when I post it, which I rarely do. The last thing we ask you guys to do is log on to iTunes, leave a show five-star review. Doesn't particularly matter what you say. Just uh, five-star, type something in the box, and hit submit. It's all you got to do. Thank you to everyone who's taking the time to do that for us. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even simpler you just hit uh, five stars, hit submit, and then you're done. Totally anonymous. It's great. Thank you to everyone who's taking time to do that for us as well. Well, guys, I hope you liked a episode with a little bit more levity, not too serious, and uh, a little little um, goofy, I guess, is the best way you can describe old-timey medicine. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.